This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back to the program. Kelly McDonald here. Ramia Amadin here. And ladies and gentlemen, we want to remind you that you need to turn on AMI-audio, 10.30 a.m. Pacific time. This week, Je- uh, Joita speaks to Jessica Miner, Director of Programs and Assessment, uh, and assessment uh, at, uh, at Accessibility Indiana. A lot of A's there, my apologies. We're going to be talking there about parenting and disability on the, on the Pulse this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 in the morning Pacific Time. Available on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube. Well, we've got lots of great conversation ahead. It's still another hour of the program. I hand things over to Ramya Muthan. That's right, and we're kicking off the hour as we do on uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, and sometimes Wednesdays with a community report. And we check in with our community reporters around the country. They give us some uh, fun things to check out, important things, interesting things in their neck of the woods. And today we go over to St. John, New Brunswick, and we check in with Marisa Herzi-Meisner. Marisa, nice to have you back on. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. And we're going to start with International Women's Day because that is today. So what's going on to kind of recognize? Yes, today we had uh, the mayor and, and some members of our common council had a flag raising event here in the city, uh, bringing awareness to women's uh, equity and, and equality and wanting to basically recognize this day and today i'm actually wearing purple Mm -hmm. because purple green and white is the colors for um international women's day uh incredible so the uh mayor and you know the leaders in your communities have kind of stated um i'm hoping that and i i see and recognize that people are doing that around the world and whether it be positive or progress or just talking about the things that need to be done the discussions are all out there what are you finding that you're hearing most about marisa to kind of mark well, the one day one of the things that uh, that i've been hearing is that the fact that persons with disability women with disabilities are still uh facing uh you know less than equitable, um, you know, jobs and, you know, equality within um, women's lib um, and society. And they're still struggling to find find their way in the workplace and so forth. However, I'm really happy to see that women in the workplace is gaining ground. I mean, mm. in, in New Brunswick, there are several women mayors um, we, and then when I see, uh, Minister Carla Qualtro at our federal level and, and, and what she's pushing the agenda for persons with disabilities, it's been amazing. Um, but we still have to overcome some of these barriers and, uh, find, um, find, find equitable, uh, employment for persons with disabilities and so forth. 
Right. I agree with you completely. Um, you know, feeling motivated or empowered by women in leadership, especially women with disabilities who are out there representing. Uh, Minister Collar Quattro, you mentioned as an example. And really, the year's theme, which is embracing equity, is uh, highly, you know, relatable in the disability community, right? Because we're searching for equity in all shapes and forms. And, um, I think that embracing that theme is the first kind of step to understanding the importance and actually the definition of equity and where and when we can practice that. Well, exactly. Yeah. Okay, This you, you wrote a, a really great write-up on International Women's Day kind of pertaining to this topic, so we will put that up on the blog, ami.ca slash Kelly Coe. Yeah, very much appreciate that. And, you know, I think having somebody like Minister Caltro, I think one of the things I love the most is just the relatability. I mean, sure, there's only so much a minister, any given minister can do under their portfolio, um, but it's the relatability. We always say, can we please have someone playing the role with lived experience? Can we have somebody suggesting things or at least knowing to go where where to go to talk to the people that can help give perspective to help make those as close as possible right decisions. So really wonderful and, and glad to see that. Um, Marisa, let's move into CNIB, um, MB, this is CNIB, uh, uh, with the mentoring program going on. Again, a tremendous thing, very necessary. It sure is because... Um especially those that are just starting to experience uh, vision loss, they they feel very overwhelmed by uh, their circumstances and, you know, can I, can I do this? And what the mentorship program is designed to do is for those that are more experienced with vision loss to come alongside of somebody that's um, that's just entering into uh, losing their vision and um, and experiencing that, and to come alongside them and help them and assist them and encourage them and advise them, and just uh, and and it's all about empowering them. And basically, this program is a pilot program that is about um, planning. The mentee will have a smart goal or a goal, and we will. Uh, the mentors will assist them with smart goal um, planning, and hopefully, um, by the end of the eight weeks, they will uh, achieve their goal and be encouraged and be empowered to uh, continue on with other goals. Um, I love it. Wow, I love this, and and I love it on the level of obviously the obvious part. It's the support you give the mentee. But for the mentor, um, to take their experience, their life experience, the thoughts, and to work with this person. Obviously, the person isn't them, but you lend what you know. And I'm, I'm sure this is, a, for you, an exciting part to be a part. You're entrusted by that person, by the program, to, to be that voice, whether it's a voice of calming, a voice of reason, or to say, yeah, I understand and empathize. That is frustrating. Or I don't know where to get that answer offhand, but I'll find out. There's a a lot of empowerment that this gives the, the mentor as well. Oh, for sure. And it's a way of, of um, sharing and yes. those life experiences and bringing life to them. Mm. 
Yeah, a lot. And I think too, when when a mentor looks back and says, "This is what I've done," and mm. you know, "This is what I've overcome," then it kind of encourages them as well to to move on and fulfill their other goals. Yep. And recognize things that they've done and 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 been able to achieve when maybe for them at a time when things were so dark, they look back and say, but I did it. I crawled out of there and I'm going to help this person and, and feel that um, importance, recognize how important it is and responsibility to hand hand off to the person what knowledge they have. And I, I, I no one's asking to be perfect, whether it's the mentee or mentor, um, but to be honest with oneself and to share. I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said about when uh, someone shares with you that they've gone through what you're going through now, right? And whether that be vision deterioration or frustration with something particular mm-hmm. like tech uh, or or financially or employment, whatever it is, uh, there's something to be said about that. It's, it's relatable. It makes you feel connected to yourself, to the person, to the community. And I think that that's one of the biggest gains that I've had when, uh, you know, I've taken part in mentorship programs to know that somebody's gone through this before me and they've you know, made it through. And uh, like the stage is not, I'm not the first one to go through it. Well, exactly. You want to give us one more piece here on your community report, Marisa, and that's the community town hall event. Yes, the St. John Ability Advisory Committee is in the process of planning a community town hall. And this town hall would uh, be similar to previous town halls that we had pre-COVID, where city staff and uh, city council members would be present to answer questions and and learn and, and gather information from the disability community uh, to strategically plan, um, you know, accessibility issues and, and things like that, but also to share their, you know, the, the, the vision that they have for the city and um, to see if there's anything that we could contribute to making things more accessible. So mm. uh, currently, I, I don't know uh, the dates and the times or anything, but I did, did want to bring this to the disability community, make them aware that we are planning this and that uh, we're hoping to have it within the next couple of months. And so to keep an ear and an eye out for information. Okay. And is there any word on what they want to focus on? Um, Because you said city staff is going to be present at this. Yes, exactly. Well, usually transportation is one of the big things. Um, Housing, employment, um, anything to do with municipal politics, um, because usually we will have uh, even somebody there from recreation, public safety. So we try to have, um, you know, uh, several staff members there, even from community growth, so that way there, if there are some things that um, that they're planning in the future, uh, I know that there are several projects um, because our, our city right now is kind of in the midst of some growth and uh, some development, so uh, they will discuss some of these developments and uh, the community will have uh, a chance to input uh, any concerns or thoughts that they may have regarding these developments. So it's exciting. 
It is exciting, and it's a direct way to give your feedback, say your word, say your piece, and advocate for uh, the community. So thank you for sharing that as early stages as it is, uh, and we'll keep posted for more details. Well, thank you for the opportunity to do so. Absolutely, and uh, overall, your community report is amazing. Thank you for that, and we'll check in with you next month. Okay, you take care. You too. Marisa Hersey-Meisner joining us from St. John, New Brunswick for her community report. And as we said about some of those items, go to ami.ca slash kellyco for the full community report. Coming up next on our health check-in with Leslie DePoe, we're talking about poison today. The fabulously interesting, dangerous, and exceptionally common world of poison. That conversation begins in two minutes. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back, ready to go. Still more on the program. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Remember to check us out when you can. First repeated the show at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-audio and on AMI-tv. Uh, lots of opportunity to check us out. Of course, also, you can subscribe to the Kelly and Rumya podcast. You can also drop us an email if you have any questions, at Kelly and Rumya would be a nice way to, to do that on Twitter. Or, as I mentioned, uh, an email you can send us one to at... Uh, uh, what is it? AMI.ca? Kelly and Rumya. Yeah, Rumya. Oh, yeah. AMI.ca. At AMI.ca, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you emailed us yet? No. But we did some of those test emails at the beginning, right? So I know it works. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if we've gotten any lately. I'll have to check in with Jeff Ryman about that. I'm sure Sure. he's sneaking a peek. Wow. But, yeah, we'd love to hear from you any way that uh, you feel like, uh, whether it's giving us a call or sending an email, always appreciate it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our health check-in with our registered nurse, Leslie DePoe. Depot registered nurse and there's nothing I love more than helping folks learn about their own health so they can be a better advocate for themselves and those around them. Join me for your health check-in where we chat all things health and wellness and even a little bit of science from time to time. This is a very interesting conversation ahead ladies and gentlemen. Today we're chatting about poison. The fabulously interesting, dangerous and exceptionally common world common world of poison leslie welcome back thank you indeed we are and i mean i feel like when i say the word poison you were probably thinking about james bond or jason Bourne or some toxic substance that's created in some mystical lab somewhere used by government spies and uh you know with crazy amnesia effects but when we're talking about poison today we're really talking about something that you're way more familiar with than you might even realize uh, this month is actually Poison Prevention Week that happens every March. Um, and so with that, it seems like a very good time, better than most, even to roll up our sleeves, wear our appropriate PPE, uh, and talk about how we can keep ourselves and our loved ones safe. Well, you know, we've got that question, that one that rears its head at the beginning of every segment. I have a feeling we're going to need to start with a definition, correct? Correct. 
I think we do. I think we do because it sounds like such a, like I said, it's a very Hollywood term. I feel like we don't use this very often in common day-to-day language, um, but the truth is it is everywhere. So we might as well demystify this a little bit to get us started uh, with a good old definition. So poison is really any substance uh, that can cause, cause harm or cause illness to a person. And it's because of the chemical action it produces to the body. Uh, so there's a bunch of different ways that can happen, or we call those roots of exposure. Uh, most commonly, we see uh, swallowing, so actually ingesting some form of poison. Um, And again, we're going to demystify what that actually means. This isn't some green bubbling thing in a test tube somewhere. Uh, We're talking about lots of common household objects, um, things that your body is going to react to. It can also happen by splashing it on the skin. So that's dermal exposure uh, or exposure rather in your eyes, um, ocular or inhaling substances as well. And a substance may be harmful or poisonous if it's taken the wrong way by the wrong person or in the wrong amount. So poisons come in a a wide variety of of, uh, symptoms as well. There can be very mild reactions, medium, there could be uh, serious illness and even death. So it's important that we kind of rip the lid off of this and and talk about really what is it? I mean, this could be prescription drugs, um, illicit substances, sure, but lots of people exposed to chemicals at uh, where they work as an occupational exposure, um, fertilizers, gases, common household items. The really important thing to remember, of course, when it comes to anything is it is the dose makes the poison even water if you have too much of it can cause serious illness or death so just something to keep in mind while we work through this today Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. just the surface, Leslie. We're really going to get deeper into this. People don't think a lot about the household exposures being a, a source of poison and uh, how common that can be, as you mentioned. What are the most common household exposures? You know, a lot of the times, to be honest, uh, a lot of exposures come with kids young children, especially toddlers and that, um, they're exploratory. Uh, children, as they develop, it's very normal. They put almost everything in their mouths. They are quick. Um, even this concept of a childproof lock, it really just means a certain percentage of children between a certain age group couldn't open it within a certain number of tries. So, you know, this idea that we're, you know, kids are somehow immune to this if we just have the bottle with the twisty locks or whatever the case may be. In fact, this is, kids are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They're exploring the world, but sadly, and, uh, you know, and dangerously, that can lead to a lot of exposures. And that could be anything from, you know, um, something that's lying around at a, at a lower area in the house on the floor in a cupboard that they can get into, things that taste good. Um, you know, children especially are not apt to ingest or expose themselves to something that that doesn't have a pleasurable outcome. But if we're talking about vitamins or gummies, um, especially like THC gummies now that people keep in their homes, mm. they that this tastes like candy. Um, and it, children at, at, a, at a certain age, for sure, are exploratory. Um, as they develop, they're also, you know, they're testing limits um, with parents and, and with themselves. So that's a huge common common source of, uh, of exposures. Medication errors are a huge thing as well. You know, people not mm-hmm. understanding really how how their medication is meant to be taken. Um, you know, I missed a dose, so I thought I'd make up for it. I took two more pills. Uh, I had this headache. I normally take one, but today I took three more. I thought that would be okay. Um, 
Another really common thing too, that we're seeing a lot this time of year, I mean, as we're getting into spring, maybe a little bit different, but people decanting products from the original container into other containers in their home. Windshield washer fluid is a huge one where people put this into spray bottles or something that is unmarked. Um, and, you know, individuals thought it was a Gatorade. So they took a big swig or they, oh. you know, the kid thought it was a spray bottle or they, you know, so just uh, that's another huge error that we don't think about. Right. And, uh, and if you're fortunate enough not to have experienced these types of things, you're probably listening to me thinking, oh my goodness, she's a bit over the top. But the truth is it's not until it happens to you or happens to somebody in your home where you think, oh my gosh, how could I not have seen that coming? Um, so again, you know, the more we get to talk about these things, the more we just draw our attention to that, even plants, even household plants, mm. <laughs> it, you know, can be a huge one um, that we don't necessarily think of, or, you know, especially when you've got young kids, they develop so quickly, you know, yes, I know last week they were sitting in their little bumble chair eating breakfast and they couldn't reach to anything. And now all of a sudden, you know, when you turn your hand to turn your head to, to wash the dishes or, or to check on another kid, you know, their hands can swipe things so quickly. So a huge part about this is, uh, especially with, health, with household exposures, is sort of making ourselves a bit more aware, drawing our attention to it, um, and then hopefully trying to get out and in front of it and do some really good prevention. I hear you. I came from that household of, oh, well, here's a container. Let's put this in here. Since we've only got so much left, we don't want to take up room with this big container. So with kids who might move faster as they get bigger and some of these moving things around or maybe mix-ups with medication, how can we keep our family safe? For sure. So I've got a, a bunch of really great tips um, and things you probably haven't thought of, uh, or maybe you haven't thought of, I guess. I shouldn't say probably, but I think there are a lot of things, especially if you've got a young family, if you're a new parent, a lot of these ideas and these concepts are new. So one idea is don't take your medicine in front of your child. Okay. Kids are very apt to copy one another. And certainly as they're growing and developing, that's a huge thing. You take a pill, good for you. Well, next thing you know, um, your child mimics the same thing. Kids are always watching and they're always mimicking our behavior. Um, don't give medicine to one child in front of another child. Same reason, right? And same reason we don't call medicine candy. This is a huge one. You know, we're trying to entice our kids. I know it doesn't taste good. I just need you to swallow this. But, you know, we sort of attach a different name to it. And then all of a sudden when they're alone with it or they do get the childproof lock off, well, they got so much praise the first time they had it. Why wouldn't you try another one? Um, so that's another one as well. Um, bad tastes and strong smells will not stop a child from trying something exploratory. So that's medicines, bleach, household cleaners, um, lamp oil, gasoline, um, you know, they, they usually won't continue to ingest something. Kids, you know, are pretty um, instinctual that way, but it doesn't mean they wouldn't try it or taste it. And it doesn't mean that exposure can't still be dangerous. Um, a lot of poisonings occur when a product is in use. So never leaving a product alone, especially when you've got children in the room, taking the bottle with you when they leave the room, you know, if you go to answer the phone or answer the door, um, you know, making sure we're not keeping them loose in diaper bags, for example, kids can get into those super mm -hmm. easily as well. Not mixing your own household products when you're cleaning a bathroom. That's a huge, huge, huge no-no. Um, and folks do it all the time. You know, I couldn't get it out from the drain with this. So I thought I'd put this plus that, plus I'd mix this in as well. And all of a sudden you've created a toxic or, uh, or a noxious gas. Um, and then as we said before, you know, store products inside the original container as, must, uh, as best as you can. And if you can't, ensure really clear and appropriate labeling. Like, you know, Kelly, you were saying the same thing. You know, you come from the household where, mm. well, I'm not going to 
take up the whole shelf with this stupid bottle. I'll just pour it into the smaller container, but it's a cheese container or it's a, you know, an old pasta jar. It looks like or a Gatorade bottle is such a huge one this time of year with, uh, with windshield washer fluid, you know, and it mm. takes nothing before someone's out working in the garage one day or the kids playing around and it's a Gatorade bottle is a Gatorade bottle, right? Why would you think any differently? So just making sure that if you do have to decant for one reason or another, it is exceptionally clearly labeled for everybody to see. Leslie, are there any common treatments for, you know, any of the the possible things that may have happened with these poisons at home, first aid or things that people can start at home? Yeah, some really basic stuff and, and we'll, we'll get to it as well because part of, of basic first aid is knowing who to call when you get into trouble. So we'll touch yeah. on that as well. Um, but certainly for things like a, like a dermal exposure, something gets on your skin, you're going to do something we always call thorough decontamination. Okay, so it's a good, there's very few products that we wouldn't recommend you to thoroughly decontaminate soap and water, good 15 minutes, um, ocular exposures as well, you know, thorough irrigation, lots of times with little kids, you know, grab them, you're going to stand in the shower, you're going to turn the shower head on, you're going to blink over and over again, right into that water, thoroughly irrigating as best you can. Um, you know, with inhalation exposures, one of the most common things you can do first is get away from it. Um, if there's something in the house that smells bad, then you are going to remove yourself and anybody else who's who's in the home away from the smell. Ventilate as best you can, open windows, uh, turn on fans. Again, there's very few substances where that wouldn't be a recommendation. Uh, and when it comes to ingestion, you know, it's less about what you can can do and what you shouldn't do under no circumstances when it comes to any sort of accidental poisonous ingestion do we ever advise for you to induce vomiting okay that's a that's a very it's very commonly out there i think a lot of us were told that as a kid um, there are substances that can actually cause harm on the way down and if they come back up you've doubled the harm they have caused mm. um, as well the act of vomiting itself can is a risk for aspiration where a fluid would go instead of into your stomach into your lungs and can that can cause some really serious complications as well so inducing vomiting following any exposure is never something that, that, that we'd recommend. Okay. Les, we've got about two minutes left here. Let's see what we can cover here when it comes to things like when someone has too much alcohol and they get their stomach pumped. What does that mean? I love this question. I don't know why I get this asked a lot at parties. Go figure. Um, it's not a thing. <laughs> um, we don't pump people's stomachs. Uh, there is a certain procedure that that's probably referring to, but that is not what happens when you drink too much alcohol. Um, and if there is alcohol poisoning involved, absolutely. I'm going to tell you where you should go and what you should do. But um, it's a lot of symptomatic management and supportive care. And uh, and no, stomach pumping, this idea of it, this kind of giant pumping machine that comes in the room, it's, it's not a thing. Um, but uh, so so we can turn the inside that out one today. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, Leslie, tell us where we can go uh, if someone has concerns about an exposure. Absolutely. So there's a couple places to start. If we are talking about medication errors, please never underestimate the power of a wonderful pharmacist. Okay, call up the individual where you where you fill your prescriptions. Call the prescribing MD as well. Um, everybody has got a local poison center. Okay, um, we've got one here in Ontario. That's where I'm at right now. Um, but if you're listening to us elsewhere, you are covered provincially. There is always a provincial poison center. Um, do your due diligence, especially if you're one that's got kids in the house. Grab a magnet, grab a sticker, put that on speed dial. Make sure you've got the number. I've put the link uh, for the Ontario Poison Centre in our um, in our resources for this week's blog. Um, 911, always 911. If you're not sure what to do between EMS and fire, never forget the fire department, uh, smelling of gas, um, smoke, inhalation, that type of thing. Those are all still considered poisonous exposures and the resources are available to you in that way as well. Absolutely. Fantastic. So much great information, Leslie. Thank you. Always, uh, really always uh, on the edge of our seat listening here because so much to take away. We'll talk to you next month. Sounds great. Take care, guys.
Thank you so much. Wow, that's a registered nurse. Leslie DePoe, uh, we talked to Leslie on the second Wednesday of the month for our health check-in. And a lot of things there. Uh, outside of the myth buster there too, that really mm -hmm. I think a lot of us need to know. But that is so true so many times. It, it, get them to bring it back up when somebody is in a bad situation, ingested something, and we're so scared. So I, I think those are that is one of those things, Rum, for people to file away for sure. We can appreciate getting to know this information ahead of time because in a panic, you may or may not want to, you know, jump to conclusions and mm -hmm. do things that are actually harmful. You'd be lucky to draw out the proper info and, and what you're to do when you're in a panic. So um, just things to think about. Thank you, Leslie. Coming up next, our employment segment with Kevin Shaw. We are going to get into marketing your entrepreneurial business. So stay tuned. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is a reminder because some of you out there may not have gotten that opportunity. And I hear the numbers are climbing. If you want to be part of a studio audience, AMI's, AMI, uh, they've got their original series by Hook or by Cook. It's filming two episodes in Calgary on Friday the 17th of March, and you are invited to get out there and participate. Now, the day does include the following. Your picture taken walking the red carpet, refreshments, a meet with Bruce Cook and other cast members, and a gift pack valued at $75. And Dave Brown, he'll be there. He's hosting the event, so go over and get a chance to sit in the studio audience, uh, walk that red carpet, and meet Dave Brown and so many others. If you want to be a part of this on March 17th, that's the Friday for the two shows being done, email info at ami.ca. Kelly McDonald here. Welcome. I'm at the home studio, London, Ontario. Ramya Muthan hanging out on main campus at the head office in Toronto. I do want to go. I do want to go to Calgary. You make it sound so enticing. It's, I think that is an absolutely fantastic day, but yeah. seats are filling up, so people got to get on it. I was, I was bugging Greg about that earlier because he doesn't get to go. But maybe we'll get to go on behalf of him, and uh, it's never too late to fly us out there. A ask Brownie. You talk to Dave every day. See if Brownie will let you go in place of him. It's true. Yeah, okay. I'll work on that. Calgary's cold. Convince Dave of that. <laughs> no, no, I don't think we can go uh, <laughs> without him. <laughs> You wouldn't be going if it was that cold. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember like a couple years ago when we did our remote broadcast from Edmonton and Calgary and it was unbelievably cold like for the time we were there. See, I don't remember that. It being that cold. You might be right. I had to I pack I, I don't remember a cold. heavy winter jacket. It took up the entire space in my suitcase. <laughs> I no, no, no. It. That was that duvet studio you carry around <laughs> right, so you can broadcast right. in warmth. It's the only way I can make it through. All right, we're going to get to our business chat. We do this every other week with Kevin Shaw talking entrepreneurship. And Kev, today we're talking about marketing our um, entrepreneurship. So where do you want to start? Like, what, what do you want to say about marketing before we get started? Well, I think everyone has a this image in their head that marketing is all about promotions. How do I get people to buy the product? How do I get people to sign up for my service or, you know, buy the service, pick up the phone and call me. 
Oh, we always think promotion, 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 promotion. Well, that's just a small part of marketing. Mm. Um, marketing is is much more than that. We can we can dig into that a little bit, but it's a, it's a really important part of your business. Last time I was on, uh, I, I talked about sales and how you're you're going to spend a lot of your time putting together your customer list for sales, um, but for marketing, it's a little bit. It's a little bit different. The, the focus is a lot on on you, but also on your customer as well. Okay. All right. This is a, a good kind of disclaimer to begin with. So where should we start with marketing if we're thinking about that uh, from that point of view? Well, marketing starts with understanding who you are. So you might think, well, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm doing a lot of other things that that, you know, other folks are doing. Maybe you're Maybe you're in the creative space. Maybe you've got a service company. Um, what makes you you? What makes you unique and unlike any other business that's out there? Um, there's got to be something. You can't just be copying, uh, you know, hey, you know, person A is doing something over here. I'm going to copy them. There's something that is unique about you that got you into business. So what, what are great exercises is, is write down the things that are completely uncopyable from you. So maybe it's a particular process that you use. Maybe it's a particular, um, maybe it's something that's unique about your staff. Uh, maybe you've got, uh, maybe you've won some awards and nobody else has won awards. Maybe uh, there's something that is unique about your packaging. Um, but find out what that is and then create an identity around that. So, uh, create your branding around that. You want your visual branding to reflect your your values, um, the things that are unique about your business, and, and the tone that you want to set with your customers. I think sometimes people take too big of a bite, don't they? And want to do so much, want to kind of grab as much of a market, and sometimes that market may not even exist because the people yeah. aren't people out there aren't even interested in the product. Not everyone, but there will be those people you can focus on who may say, "Yes, I want to pay more for better quality because you're using this." How do you keep from trying to be all things to all people? Learn to say no. <laughs> um, you gotta say, yeah, like you have to say no to some things. And that's part of developing that, that, that brand identity, right? Learn what you're going to say no to figure out what your values are. Say, um, you know, we're not going to use artificial flavors in our brands of cookies. We're going to use all natural flavors. And that's, what's going to, you know, drive up the price a little bit because you're paying for quality. You're paying for something that people want to have. Um, maybe you're doing a business and you're like, okay, I can do like these three other services on the side and they're not a big part of my customer base. They're not a big part of my business, but they're there as something to fall back on. Well, if you have something to fall back on, you probably will. Um, so maybe think about focusing on one core area, maybe two core areas of your business and, and really focus in on that. I mean, so we see I this out in ask, the world. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, and Kev, doing their TV show, um, when people are minding their own business, I, mm -hmm. I, I kind of wonder how many people, uh, and you can watch that, of course, on AMI-TV, how many people fall into that when you start talking, they start telling their story of business. 
Uh, what's the average you'd say fall into? I tried to do too much at once or to be too much for, for, for everyone. I, I wanted to service as many people and get as much of the market as possible. Sure. Um, you know, there's a famous story of, of Alka-Seltzer going into its brand agency and the brand agency said, well, what's it good for? And uh, uh, the executives from Alka-Seltzer said, it's good for everything. And they said, well, next time I have everything, I'll try it. <laughs> um, you know, I think it happens a lot in the early stages. Um, yes. you're, you're in the startup phase and you're trying to figure out what works, what's going to stick. Um, and you might say, well, um, this product worked and this product worked and, you know, product products, A, B, and C work D eh, not so great, but I'm going to continue to try all of them until I figure out what sticks. And what ends up happening is you, you kind of keep, try to keep all the balls in the air and, and try to keep, um, you, you try to keep A, B and C going. And you got to realize that at some point, you're just like, nah, you know what? A and C aren't working. We're going to stick with B. And that happens gradually over time as you as you mature in your business. But I tend to find that it happens a lot earlier on when you're trying to figure out what you're good at. Mm -hmm. Especially if, as you're pointing out, if you're not sure of what is working, what isn't working, but you're seeing all these competitors out there, right? Like we talked about this last time with you. Um, you kind of get nervous thinking, well, what am I offering that others aren't? Or how can I do better what somebody else is already doing and finding that unique fix to the problem? If you're seeing competitors out there, I was going to say earlier, you can tell um, from you know comparing these big tech giants even, you know, who's doing a little bit of everything or trying to or changing their focus, you know, every year or so to say, oh, now we're going to tackle this as well. Oh, and now we got a social media platform and oh, now we're going to sell phones. And um, not everything goes well. And I think that this is smaller scale and bigger scale. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to open up a mechanic shop and start serving fried chicken and doing haircuts. <laughs> and, yeah. All right. you know, you, you can't yeah. be all things to all people, right? And yeah. so it's like, well, you know, I've got a mechanic shop. I'm going to focus on fixing cars. And maybe you've got to focus in, you know, maybe you've got to focus in on that and just say, look, we, we just do we just do transmissions or we just do oil changes or we just do, you know, everything at the front of the car. Um and that's a really good way to, to to approach this, so that you're not spreading your energy and your 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 time and your talent and your resources to covering all kinds of all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. and look at the evidence, yeah. and look at that evidence that of your track record so far, and what's around you. Mm -hmm. Totally, oh, people are usually hungry for chicken after getting their cars fixed, no? Oh, of course, sitting there while you're getting your car fixed, especially if they say, this is a two-hour job and it's going to cost, yeah, I need something to calm me down. Give me some fried chicken. That's our business idea, opening up fried later. chicken next to the mechanic shop. Okay. Better the next day, so day-old fried chicken. Yum. Um, anyways, real side tangent. Can we talk about social media? This is a, a big form of marketing we're all very familiar with now. Yeah, uh, and it's it's certainly now a part of um, of the marketing mix, and a big part of social media is, if I can boil it down to one word, is engagement. You want to engage with your customers. You want to reply when they write comments. You want to engage them if they've got questions. You want to reply to their their tweets, their DMs, um, share things that they've shared about your product. 
react to criticism um, mm. say, hey, you know, I tried this product, it broke, you know, the first day I took it out of the box, engage with that customer right away so that they're not, you know, they're not spreading a bad reputation about you and bad reviews about you on their social media. Because as we all know, social media does have that virality factor to it. Mm. And one bad review can, can certainly do a lot of reputational damage to your, to your business. So engage, engage, engage on social media. So can you get deeper engagement through content creation? Does that help? Yes. Uh, and that's, that's kind of part and parcel of social media. So if you're a, if you're a, a small business, um, one, one great way to start out is to come up with a content creation strategy. And what that means is that you want to create content around your business. You want to create content around the things that you're the expert at. So maybe you've started a, you know, maybe you've started a cleaning company. There's, um, uh, there's a, a lady who started a cleaning company here in Toronto and she started a YouTube channel and that channel basically is how to clean everything, how to clean your dishwasher, how to mm. clean your fridge, how to clean your sink, how to clean your cupboards. And, uh, you know, that channel started out with a few hundred followers and grew to hundreds of thousands of followers. And, you know, that's something that was all built just on content creation for her company. And that's a space that you can be in. So it doesn't necessarily have to be video. But again, when we talked about looking at your company and looking at your, uh, your value, are you a business to business company? So are you talking to other businesses? Maybe YouTube isn't your thing. Maybe you're going to go and engage other companies on LinkedIn. If you're business to consumer and if you're hitting, you know, Gen Z, millennials, obviously you want to be on things like Instagram and TikTok. Um, you know, if you're, if you're sharing more kind of thought-provoking content, you want to maybe create a blog so that you've got people thinking about bigger issues come up with that content strategy and figure out exactly where to share it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you talked about the, the virality of uh, social media and the potential behind that. And I think it's, you know, self-evident how enormous things can get, right? Like you talked about this content creator who started with the cleaning and now it's not even just her page, her channel, but uh, this phenomenon of yeah. category of things you can find, like how to clean properly and, and what to <laughs> use and how to use it. And it's unbelievable how quickly that sparked into this gigantic thing. It's, you know, step all over step. everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. And, and it's everything now. It's, 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 I mean, you, you can go out and look for something really, really obscure, uh -huh. you know, how to, I don't know, figure out how to, you know, restore jewelry boxes or right, something. And right. there's somebody with mm -hmm. a channel that's just for that on YouTube. And, um, you know, I, I think it's pretty neat. Um, you know, and the, and the key behind content creation is that you've got to keep doing it. It's yes. got to be constant. You can't just do it once. You've got to come up with a regular schedule. Do it once a week, once every three days, maybe every day if you're doing, you know, content like TikTok or, or Instagram Reels. So that there's always something new for, for customers to come back to and look at. 
Definitely. And it could tell you so much, as we mentioned, about the history, about what you could do and direct you. Mm-hmm. There's still mm-hmm. that pressure, right, Kev? Like, I, I find that uh, people, especially content creators, or if you're branding this way heavily through social media, there is so much pressure to keep on it and keep on it everywhere, not just Instagram, not just TikTok, but like to make yourself, uh, spread yourself widely because, uh, or else people will move on. Like, that's the kind of yep, world we live in true. now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's true. And and that's where the strategy piece comes in. And so maybe, maybe you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go and brainstorm a whole bunch of topics for content creation. Um, maybe I came up with, oh, I've got 20, 25 different topics that I can do. Okay. Maybe you don't have to post every day. Maybe mm. that's once a week for six months. Um, and then after that, uh, you know, as you go along, you're going to engage with with your customers, they might spark new ideas. And so you've come up with another 20 ideas and maybe that's, you know, once a week for the next six months. Um, And if you've got something that is, um, you know, if you've got something where you've got maybe a hundred or 200 ideas, then you've got some content that you can spread around every day. And it tends yeah. to be like the shorter the content, the more frequent you're going to post, right? That's right. right. Yeah, you're going to you're going to have that access. Um, network and building relationships come from all this as well, Kevin. Absolutely, and and that's a great place to be in when you're you're seen as the expert in your field. Right. Um, you know, go out, create those networks, create those relationships, so that you can get to the point where you're speaking at conferences and you're you're being asked to be on podcasts and in YouTube videos and doing interviews and, you know, talking to Kelly and Ramia on the, you know, in the afternoon. Yeah, we're waiting. <laughs> right. So, so that networking piece is such a huge piece of this. And, um, you know, as we go through, like these things build, right. The networking is going to build on the content creation and that's going to build on your social media engagement and that's going to build on your brand. So all of these things actually build on top of each other. And to quickly wrap up here, Kev, because we've had such a great conversation, how do we measure and analyze those results? Well, that's the key. And if you're not measuring, you're basically just, you know, you're just kind of grinding your wheels, uh, you're spinning your wheels a bit. Mm. You've got to measure and figure out what are the numbers that are attached to this. So so we use a, a fancy term in marketing called key metrics or key performance indicators. So is it the number of clicks you're getting to your website? Is it the number of people who are picking up the phone and calling you? Is it the number of people walking into your store? Is it the number of people engaging with your blog, sharing your content? There's some number that is attached to measuring how well your particular business is doing, right? And maybe it's the content, maybe it's maybe it's sales. Obviously, that's a very obvious one. But it could be other things. It could be it could be the number of shares that you've got on your content. It could be on the number of comments that you generate on a, on a blog post if you're if that's something that you're you're really interested in. So measure it and measure it well, and measure it in such a way that you're going to be able to get some actionable data from that. So, you know, we we put out an A B comparison. Ninety percent of the people like B. So we're not going to focus on A anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's how that works. Amazing. Everything today was so noteworthy, Kev. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me again. Kevin Shaw joining us for Entrepreneurship Every Other Week. Next time, we're discussing the wonderful world of finances and cash flow. Get out there, boy. Take your idea and do something with it, folks. Mm-hmm.
Not saying it's easy, but boy, does it sound like it could be a lot of fun. Up next, speaking of fun, we'll take a look at what's coming up tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown. Tell you a little bit about our program as well. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate your time today. Remember, check us out via repeats if you want to on AMI-tv and AMI-audio, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, overnight on AMI-tv at 1 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the morning, Eastern Time, folks, uh, on AMI-audio. Or you can check us out by subscribing to the Kelly and Rumya podcast from your favorite podcast platform. And we'd appreciate if you did that. Maybe while you're in there, give us a rating and review. Ramya, any particular segment you think that people should go back and check out or someone tuning in needs to for sure uh, make it, add it to their to-do list and go and take a listen? Yeah, I mean, really the whole show had so much information, jam-packed, but if you... Go and listen back to our poison talk with Leslie Depot, mm-hmm. who's a registered nurse. I mean, she just absolutely packed in that segment with uh, tactile information for us to keep in mind when it comes to common household poisons, first and foremost. And then she mentioned a lot of other things as well. I really liked our conversations today with Grant and with Bill particularly. Greg, that first hour was filled with it. So take your choice, ladies and gentlemen. We had a chance to do some reflecting, some discussion, some serious, and some kind of where we tugged on our earlobe and said, hmm, okay, and what would we do? So check it out via the Kelly and Rumya podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. While you're doing that, Subscribe to the gang over there at Now with Dave Brown. They're available live on the network at 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. Mr. Paul Daniel, one of the producers, he's with us now. Good day, Paulie D. Hey, Kelly. On tomorrow's show, we'll have Ness Murphy transcending. It made its debut last, on TV last night, on AMI-tv last night. The series follows Paralympian Ness Murphy as he tries to become the first openly gay trans man to, to compete in the Olympics. And we'll speak with both Ness and his wife, Ava Fayish tomorrow on Now at Dave Brown. And tax season is around the corner, no matter how hard we try to avoid it. Although some, and from what I read in the papers, are better at avoiding it than others. So we'll have columnist Aaron Broverman, who will give some guidance and advice on how some of the changes, how to, how to handle some of the tax changes this year as we prepare our, our income tax returns. And Stephen Scott from Double Tap will give us his impressions from the annual Microsoft Annual Ability Summit, which is taking place today. Awesome. Glad. That'll sound great. And and for taxes, those who can avoid have the money to be able to avoid. But, Paul, I do want to say that I've had the opportunity in life, especially when I was back on uh, Ontario Disability, to get that yeah. support from tax guys, you know, ladies and gentlemen, Absolutely. who retired from doing taxes and put themselves out there to help people who mm-hmm. were on ODSP or economically challenged. And you could go in you and bet. they would gladly help do those uh, simple taxes for you, those those uh, returns. So fedoras off to those people because they absolutely did A1 work and certainly filled a gap that many other people just really don't understand people need the assistance with. Thanks, Paul. And there's a federal government program that does allow that, if I should add, they'll help people prepare their taxes they can't do themselves. Mm-hmm. There's a federal government program that does that. So just yeah. so you know, well, it gets put it out there. Overwhelming and it is great. And thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Take we'll care, talk Kelly. to you tomorrow. Paul Daniel, one of the producers from Now at Dave Brown, 9 a.m. in the morning. They're here on the network. On our show, beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, we'll be starting things with The Buzz. Bill Beck, we said it earlier, and I said check out the segment today. He'll be back with us uh, on the program.
That's right. We left something on the table. I wonder what that is. Mike Fair is who we're actually going to start the show with, and he's highlighting a BBC radio adaptation of Good Omens. And he says there's plenty of clever laughs to be had before time comes to an end. Michael does this so well. I yeah. love that he mixes up the bag so we never know exactly what we're going to get and he'll stick with something for a little bit and then go maybe back into tech. But it's always so organized, so wonderful. Rum, all these chats are. As you mm -hmm. were saying about Leslie earlier, great conversation. So much to know and she delivered a lot for us to be able to follow. Hope people check out the podcast and return with us tomorrow. Good night, Rum. Good night. And ladies and gentlemen, take it easy. Be safe. Enjoy yourself. Fedora's off to you. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Can you hear them? That's those geese. They're always flying by. I, when I'm out on the balcony, they'll fly by. I'll say, hey, fellas. I used to have no issue with geese. I really always just thought, hey, look, look at that. That's great. And there's so many of them. Now, this year, they seem to be a lot earlier returning from their trip down south. But a year ago, I was actually attacked by a goose going in to an appointment and walking through a parking lot. I guess I was too close to their territory. Now, his territory was in the middle of the parking lot. And I was heading to go into the building and all of a sudden, slap, 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 back of the shoulders, the head. So I drove my elbow back and probably screamed very, very unflatteringly, but, and even almost in the falsetto range, uh, and jumped forward, swung my cane as I twisted back behind me. Didn't want to hurt it. But on the other hand, at the moment, I was just so taken by surprise. And I've heard, you know, in certain places that, as, especially protecting their territory, of course, they can be, just like any creature, uh, pretty uh, aggressive. But that was a little more aggressive than I thought. Uh, my back was turned. I thought, you dirty bird, how dare you hit me with my back turned? Not to mention, I'm blind anyway, and I have to try to assault you back with a white cane. Um, I don't think I hit him, so don't worry. I know he wasn't injured in any way because he continued to walk around terrorizing people, admiring his reflection, I'm told, by witnesses that saw the whole thing go down in the window of the building that I was going into. He was at another door. However, I went to another door to go in. And then when people tried to get in or out, he kind of like, hey, 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 and, and bothered them, so had to be shooed off a couple of times. It's interesting because you don't know what's going in their head except they are protecting their area. Now, assuming that the other bird sitting off to the side was the mate and maybe, you know, they were protecting eggs and he was on patrol. So it was a very interesting experience, a bit surprising. Thankful I had my hat on. All I kept thinking about is being pecked in one way or another. Thank God it was the back. Um, and, and not flown up at my face or anything like that. But I am a little more wary, unfortunately, of geese. Probably a little less tolerant of them. And I've always heard the complaints about the mess they can make and having them around. And at times they're a little too noisy. But I've always liked that sound and always loved them being around and that familiarity. So that's my reminiscing about a year ago and my goose attack. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. 
AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.